Happy Easter. Happy Resurrection Sunday. Really, really thankful that you chose to come and to worship with us this morning. And so um, if you are new with us, we would love for you, Pastor John mentioned this earlier, but at some point, uh, even during my sermon, feel free just to take a couple of seconds and fill out this connect card. It's just our way of showing you that we value relationships because God values every person uh, on the planet. And so uh, we, we would love to just follow up with you and thank you for coming uh, to our Easter Sunday celebration. Uh, if you would fill that out sometime this week, and then you'll have an opportunity to share that with us later on in the service. Well, uh, this morning we are going to hear one of the most important sections in the Bible when it comes to the resurrection of Jesus. 1 Corinthians 15 is the longest chapter in the Bible on the resurrection, okay? And we don't have time to cover the whole chapter, but we're going to zoom in on a very important section where a man named Paul, who was one of the greatest leaders in the early church, lays out the consequences, both negative and positive. If the resurrection is not true, then this is what it means. And if it is true, then this is what it means. And so that's where we're going today as we uh, hear from God's truth as it's recorded for us here in the Bible. But if, if you're anything like most of humanity... These moments come in our lives. These moments come in the course of a year where there's a, a big event, and yet we can get kind of so caught up in all of the details, all of the planning, all of the getting ready that we can actually miss the profound depth of what it is we're celebrating. And so my hope today is that I can help Keep that from happening, all right? That's my job today. That's my goal. My goal is to help us see that the moment when Jesus Christ robbed death and he stepped out of that tomb like no champion the world has ever seen, an avalanche of hope crashed down into the narrative of our world and the narrative of our individual lives in such a way that it absolutely changes every box on the calendar and our future forever. That's what the resurrection of Christ brings. And so we can be tempted to, in a sense, domesticate Easter, right? I mean, you know, we, we all love bunnies and, and, and Easter baskets and eggs. Hey, and I, I'm not playing about that. Um, the Easter Bunny left me a six-ounce Reese's egg this morning, okay? And so, I mean, anyone, Reese's eggs? Reese's eggs better than Reese's cups? Come on, tell the truth. That's right. I mean, so we just, we, we love Easter. There's so much to, to get excited about and celebrate. And, and yet, uh, it's, it's, if we really peer into the story, it is impossible to domesticate Easter. Because Easter is a moment in time that cannot be tamed. It is the most powerful, most hope-producing, most life-giving event the world has ever known. And so I want to help us see that today. And, and while there are so many gifts that Easter brings, I want us to zoom in on this gift of hope. Easter reminds us that God is a God of hope, and God wants to fill our lives with 
immense hope every single day and into eternity. And this is so important, right? Because you and I both know we live in a world where hope can seem to be on the decline rather than on the rise. We can just look at the statistics and see how uh, depression and addiction is climbing in our culture. We can scan the political scene or we can even look at the brokenness in our workplaces or relationships and we can come to the conclusion quite understandably that hope is on the decline, not on the rise. And yet what Easter tells us is that hope is rising because Jesus Christ has risen from the dead. And so, so I want us to think about this idea of hope. What are we talking about when we talk about hope, okay? You might want to write this down. Hope is our confident expectation that our deepest desires will be fulfilled, all right? Hope is the confident expectation that our deepest desires will be fulfilled, okay? And, and oftentimes when we think about the idea of hope, we, we speak about it in such a way that it carries a measure or, or maybe a significant level of uncertainty, you know what I'm saying? It's like, hey, I hope I pass that exam. I hope that I get that job. I hope that that girl that I want to ask out this weekend will say yes to me. Come on now. Can I get a witness from my young men out there? All right. So we, we, we sometimes hope in things, but we're not certain that what we hope for is actually going to come true. But when the Bible presents hope, when Jesus says, hey, hope in me, the hope that we have is loaded with confidence. It is loaded with the expectation that everything we're longing for is actually going to come true. And so I want to invite you today to see and believe that hope is rising because Jesus is risen. All right? Hope is rising because Jesus is risen. We're going to look at these verses, verses 12 through 26 in, in 1 Corinthians uh, 15, and we're going to draw two conclusions from what Paul, this great leader in the, in the early church, had to say about the resurrection of Christ, okay? So if you would, uh, you, can, you can open your Bibles, turn on your Bible app. If you received a Bible when you walked in, it's page 961 uh, in the Bibles that we provide for you. And if, if you uh, picked up a Bible on your way in, that's our gift to you. If you need a new Bible, that's a, a simple gift from Redemption Hill to you. You can take it uh, today as you leave, all right? So I want to read these words. Listen very carefully uh, as I share them with you. This is what Paul writes. Now, if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. We are even found to be misrepresenting God because we testified about God that he raised Christ, whom he did not raise, if it is true that the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile, and you are still in your sins. Then those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in Christ we have hope 
in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For as by a man came death, by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. But each in his own order, Christ the firstfruits, then at his coming those who belong to Christ. Then comes the end when he delivers the kingdom to God the Father after destroying every rule and every authority and power. For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. Let's pray one more time. So, Father, we thank you for this truth, and we thank you for the opportunity to reflect on it this morning. And so, God, it's my prayer that no matter where we are in life, no matter how good or bad it is these days, no matter where we are in our spiritual journey, that we would open our hearts before you and that you would speak to us right where we need you to speak to us and show us how amazing the life that you offer us in Christ truly is and the hope of a future that is far beyond what we can imagine. We pray this now in the name of Jesus. Amen. Two truths I want to share with you this morning from this logical, very logical argument that Paul presents here, all right? Number one, if the dead do not rise, Christianity is dead, all right? If the dead do not rise, Christianity is dead, and consequently, so is our hope, right? And so what was going on here in Corinth is that there were some people that were saying, as we see in verse 12, Paul puts it, that people were saying that there is no resurrection of the dead, now, we, we can't be sure if they were saying, hey, there's no resurrection at all. That's probably not likely. Probably what was going on is that many of them believed that our souls go on to live forever, but our bodies will remain in the ground, detached from our souls forever. And what Paul is saying is that, no, 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 that's not, that's not the Christian story, okay? Uh, that's not the, 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 the message of Christ. The message of Christ is that God made our souls and our bodies in the very beginning as, as, as embodied souls to, to live for him and to reflect his greatness. And so as it was in the beginning, that was true of Jesus, and that's going to be true for each one of us forever. And this is so important to Paul that then he lays out four implications, four consequences of if Jesus was not raised from the dead, and if there is no bodily resurrection, then this is what's true uh, of, of our faith, all right? And so let me just break that down for you, okay? Number one, if the dead do not rise, then Jesus is dead, all right? So, so, so we think about, hey, if, if people do not rise, that includes Jesus, all right? If there's no bodily resurrection, you, like, you can't say that, that there's no bodily resurrection, but also say, like, hey, Jesus rose from the dead, because... That's impossible, right? That doesn't follow. And so we need to remember that, that Jesus, though he was fully God, was also fully man. He had a heart beating just like us. He died a real death. And he rose from the gate, grave as a real human being. 
And this is so important. Why? Because Jesus said on multiple times, we could just go back and read the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. He said multiple times, I'm going to rise from the dead. They're going to crucify me. They're going to kill me. I will suffer at the hands of people, and then I will rise again. And not only that, not only would that make Jesus be a liar, but then that would call into question everything that he said and did, right? Like all that bit about abundant life now, eternal life forever. Like how could we have confidence in that if Jesus did not do what he said he would do? So if, if, if the dead do not rise, then Jesus is dead. Number two, then telling the story about Jesus is quite frankly a waste of time. See, Paul says that here in verses 14 and 15. He says, if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain. We are even found to be misrepresenting God. If you remove the resurrection from the story of Christianity, you change the whole message. Christianity crumbles if we take away the assertion that Jesus rose from the dead. And so Paul is saying, look, like, hey, Tanner, like, Great that you're a pastor. Great that you, you, know, you work hard to serve people and love them and care for them and, and everyone else that's on our your staff team at Redemption Hill. But, but, but if, if Jesus did not rise from the dead, then you know what? Uh, put your Bible away and just maybe go to Fenway Park this summer. Get one of those yellow Aramark jerseys, you know what I'm saying? Walk up and down, sell peanuts. I've always thought that would be a great job, right? Because like, you can see the game and you get to launch Peanuts when everyone throws their hand up, you know what I'm saying? I mean, anyone ever just thought about that? It'd be a great opportunity. Or maybe, maybe you know, get a plow, plow some snow in the winter. Uh, maybe I could, you know, take some of these skills that I get to exercise on Sunday, maybe become a professor somewhere. Um, or maybe I could join the local 40, all right? For those of you who don't know that lingo, okay, that's the Carpenters Union. Anybody think I could do that? Those of you that know me? No, that's impossible, all right? That is impossible. In fact, where we've gotten to in my house is my, my wife just keeps ordering command clips, all right? It's just like, you know, like a, uh, I've got confidence in you. Not really. All right, so let's just do some command clips. Let's just load them up and see how much weight we can bear with these command clips uh, because, you know, that's just not my area of strength or gifting, right? And so, and so listen, the point is this, like, if this is not true, then, then doing anything else in life would be better than, and this is true for you. Like, if it, what a waste of time. If Jesus didn't rise from the dead, well, we would even talk about uh, uh, the story of, of, of Christianity. Verse 15 says that we would, we would even just be in this project of misrepresenting God. And so, so listen, not only would uh, telling others about Jesus be a waste of time, but so would everyone's faith in Christ. You see, if, if Jesus did not rise from the dead after he was crucified on a Roman cross, then Paul says multiple times here that your faith is in vain. That word vain just means it's empty. There's nothing there. There's nothing to it. He says it again in verse 17. Your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. And so if, if Jesus, listen, think about the implications. If Jesus did not rise from the dead, our faith is unfounded, it's empty, and the human predicament is still unresolved. Okay? And think of what I, about what I mean there, okay? If we re remove the resurrection, our faith crumbles to the ground. If there's no resurrection, there's no defeat of death. All right? 
If there's no defeat of death, there's no defeat of sin. Why is that? Because the Bible says that the wages of sin is death. What we earn for our sin is both physical death one day, but also spiritual death on the inside. Our souls are not alive to God apart from God's grace because we have turned our back on God. We said, God, I've got a better plan. I've got some other things that I want to do with my life. It doesn't include honoring you and living my life wholeheartedly for you. And so, and so not only would, would death not be defeated, but our sin wouldn't be defeated because our sin is what leads to death. And if our sin is not defeated, then there is no salvation that can be offered to us. Do you see that? And so Paul says this is, this is how critical it is that we understand Jesus rose from the dead. And all who believe in him are going to rise with him to eternal life. This is what Paul goes on to say at the end of chapter 15. You can, you can follow these words on the screen. When, when Paul says, when the perishable puts on the imperishable. The mortal puts on immortality. Then shall come to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of of, of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have victory over sin, over death, because Jesus defeated our sin on the cross, and he defeated death when he rose from the grave. And so Paul says, look, if the resurrection is not true, your preaching about me is in vain, your faith is in vain, and then finally, he just kind of polishes it off by saying, there's actually not much hope for the future. In his estimation, there is really no hope for the future at all. Look at what he says in verse 18. He says, uh, then those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. Let me, let me translate that, okay? Anyone who has hoped in Christ in this life, believing that they receive salvation from him, when they die, they die. That's it. And so, for example, my, my grandmothers and my grandfathers who, thank God, also had faith in Christ, when they died, they just simply died. They didn't go on to a, a, a better life and a, and a future resurrection. But then not only that, Paul says that in verse 19, don't, don't miss this. He says, if in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. The greatest hope the world has ever known becomes the greatest disappointment. And Paul, it's, it's, not, it's not inconsequential that Paul says, we of, of all people, okay? So, so on the one hand, like for anyone in the room here today who is hoping in Christ, who is trusting in Christ for salvation, then, then we're with him. Like we should be pitied. We should, people should feel sorry for us if we're believing in something that isn't really true. But for Paul, when he says that, do you know what's in his mind? He's thinking about the times that he was beaten and left for dead. He's thinking about the times when he was arrested and imprisoned. He's thinking about the death threats and and all of the persecution that he faced. He's saying, I risked it all for nothing. But even in Paul saying this, it reminds us that there is so much evidence 
for the resurrection. And so listen, I don't, I don't know where you are in your, your spiritual journey, your faith journey. I am sure in a room this large on Easter Sunday with this amount of people that there are surely some here that are not fully convinced that Jesus rose from the dead and he offers us the gift of life. And if that's you, hey, listen, we all, we all have to come to that place. We, we all uh, struggle and we ask questions and we wrestle and we examine. And that would be my encouragement to you. Keep asking, keep exploring. Dare I say, even with some urgency and extensive uh, look into the resurrection of Christ. And I think what you're going to find is that there is so much plausibility for the resurrection. When we look at Paul's life, we see that this man was a man who persecuted Christians. He imprisoned them. He approved of their death. And then there's this sudden transformation in his life. Why? Well, the Bible says that Jesus appeared to him after he was raised, proving that the story was true. The same could be said for the transformation of the disciples. Did you know that Jesus' closest followers, after Jesus died, what were they doing? They, they, were, they were back hiding in fear because, listen, what, what, they were thinking what? We're next, right? Like, this is what they did to our leader. We follow him, guilt by association. If we continue to say we believe in Jesus, they're going to come after us next. And so how do you explain the transformation from them being a group of people cowering back in fear to then fearlessly going before the very people and saying, this Jesus who you crucified, God raised from the dead. How do you explain that? How do you explain the empty tomb of Jesus? And I mean, not even, not even the most, uh, you know, non-Christian scholars would, would uh, disagree with the, the empty tomb. Everyone has different explanations for it, but, but, but the, the tomb is empty, right? The impetus is on, it was on the Jewish leaders and the Romans to produce the bones of Jesus, and yet it's something that they could not do because Jesus wasn't there. And then you have the unconventional details in the story of Scripture. I mean, if, if you were to make up a, a story trying to vouch for the plausibility of something, you wouldn't come up with details that no one would want to believe. For example, who were the first witnesses at the empty tomb? Women. Why was that an issue in the first century? Sadly enough, women in the first century in Israel, their testimony would have not held up in a court of law. And so if you're making up a story, why not put someone in place that can actually give a testimony that, that other people will affirm and, 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 and move forward, right? So there are so many. Jesus appeared to over 500 people. That debunks the hallucination theory, right? Like, oh, the disciples were hallucinating. They loved him so much. They just thought they were seeing Jesus when they weren't seeing Jesus. And Paul even says right here in 1 Corinthians 15 that Jesus uh, appeared to, to the apostles. And, and, and in verse 6, then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive. So it's like, hey, if you, if you don't believe me, then go talk to them. So much evidence here for the resurrection of Christ. And yet here's, a, here's, another, here's another argument that, that, that gets at what Paul is saying here in, in verse 19. If, if, we, we, if in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are the most uh, of all people to be pitied. And, and that's what I like to call the then what argument. All right? Then what? So it's like, hey, work really hard to get a job. 
then what? Work really hard to make enough money to pay the bills, maybe make a lot of money. Great. Then what? You enjoy the best of human relationships. Have great friends. Maybe God gives you a spouse and some kids, and, and you, you, really, you really just have relationally, you're thriving. Then what? You have all the experience, the best experiences in the world. Maybe some of you have tickets to the Celtics game this afternoon. I'm free after church. Um, and uh, come on now. And, uh, you know, you just you travel the world, and then what? If, if this life is as good as it gets, is this, is this all we have to show? Does, does that really satisfy us deep down? Does it really satisfy us? If it satisfies us, then why are we always looking for something more? The next accomplishment, the next paycheck, the next relationship, the next experience. Why are we longing for something more? Because deep down in our hearts, we know and believe that there has to be something more. There has to be something more. And so that's what Paul's saying. Look, if, if this is all there is and we just have hope in this life, then man, we just forget about it, man. Just pity us. Just feel sorry for us. Just get out your box of Kleenex and cry for us, right? Because it's just, but there is more. There is more. And that's what Paul gets to next, right? First, if the dead do not rise, Christianity is dead. But then number two, listen, number two, if Jesus rose from death, hope is rising with him. If Jesus rose from death, hope is rising with him. And so Paul has laid out the negative consequences. If the, if the resurrection is not true, these are the consequences. But now he turns and he says, hey, if this is true, then this is what follows. And what follows are two monumental realities that I think every person should pay attention to this morning. Okay? Number one, if Jesus rose from the dead, then all people will also rise from the dead, and those who believe in him will go with him to be with him forever. All right, that's number one. Number two, there is also... This is really good news. We would all want it to be true, even if we don't buy the story, all right? The eradication of all evil. That's what, that's what Paul is saying here, okay? So let's just look at these, uh, one and then the other, and then we'll bring our time to a close, all right? So, so, so number one, if, 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 if Jesus rose from the dead, that brings the hope of our resurrection as well. And don't miss the imagery of what Paul uh, says here. In verse 20, he, he says this, but in fact, Christ has been raised. Here, here's the positive assertion, all right? And he says, he is the first fruit of those who have fallen asleep. Now, now what, is, what is Paul getting at with this imagery, okay? First fruits was an agricultural picture, all right? In other words, the, in, in the Old Testament in that day, when they would uh, be harvesting wheat, they would take up the first bundle of wheat and they would offer it to God, not only as a sign of gratitude that he's provided once again, but it was a signal to all the people that, the, that just as there is this one bundle of wheat, we can have assurance that there are thousands more like it on the way. See that? It's a sign that sets in motion the hope of what is to come. 
Perhaps a, a better uh, a picture for us uh, living in Boston would be the idea of a down payment. So let's say, you know, you wanted to buy one of these cheap condos around here in, in Medford in greater Boston. And, um, you know, let's say you just got a deal, you know, 400000 500000 whatever. So let's just say $400,000. You know, most banks require what? 5% down payment. And so you put that, let's do the math, twenty grand down, and that twenty grand is what? A sign that 380000 are sure to follow. You see that? And so Paul says the, the fact that Christ was raised from the dead is evidence that, number one, all who believe in him and hope in him are sure to follow his resurrection. Now, why is this so important? It's because every human being that, that, that I've ever met and, and spoken with on these matters has real questions about death. What happens when I die? Where will I go? How will I know where I'm going? And maybe that's, maybe that's you today. Maybe you still have questions about uh, your, your future and, and about what happens when you die. And the story of Christianity is this, is that God sent Jesus to live the life that we should have lived and have not. In other words, Jesus was sinless. He never sinned. He always honored God. He always loved God the Father. He always reflected how great the Father is, which enabled him to be the perfect sacrifice for us on the cross, that not only he lived the life that we should have lived, but he died the death that we should have died. This is what Paul's saying in verse uh, 21. For as by a man came death, by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. So because we have sinned against God, that sin has separated us from him, it has broken the relationship where now we will die one day physically and spiritually we are dead on the inside apart from God's grace waking us up to then look to Christ and receive the gift that he offers us through his life, death, and resurrection. And so my, my hope for you this morning, if this is a new story uh, for you, or maybe this is a story that you've heard, but you've never really just, you know, you've readily never taken it super serious in your life. And if that's you, listen, we get that. We understand that. But my encouragement would be, don't, don't stay in that place. Take the step of seeing what Jesus has done for you and saying, God, I want to receive this gift of life that he offers me. Jesus put it this way in John chapter 11. He, he said, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? And Jesus asked the question of every person. Do you believe this story? Do you believe that I am the resurrection and the life? Do you believe that by looking to me, believing in me, that you can have life, not just now, but have life forever? This is the amazing invitation that Jesus offers you today. And you can receive that gift that he offers you simply by admitting to God that you need him, that you haven't lived your life for him, but you see that you've, you've gone your own way, you haven't, you haven't done what he said that you should do? You haven't experienced the life that he created you to live? 
admit that, turn away from that by turning to believing in Jesus and accepting this gift that he offers. So that through faith in Christ, through believing, trusting in what he did on your behalf, not what you could do to earn your way to God, but just simply receiving the gift that he offers you by his grace, that then you would say, I'm all in. I'm committing my life to following Christ. There's nothing better than that. And listen, if you've never done that, if you've never sealed that deal with God and received that gift, then, then we want to just, that we could offer you no greater gift on Easter Sunday than to say, hey, this is what Christ has done for you. Receive the gift. You can let us know that even on this Connect card as we'll take it up later in the service, all right? But then, but then uh, number two, okay, this is so good, all right? Don't miss. Not only is salvation personal and individual, it is also global and cosmic, all right? And what do I mean by that? Look, look with me again at verse 24. Then comes the end when he, Jesus, delivers the kingdom to God the Father after destroying every rule and every authority and power. It says, for he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. What is this saying? The story of salvation is not simply personal. It is supernatural. In other words, all that opposes God and his plan, and his plan all that opposes us in life, the things that grieve our hearts, the things that we want to be different, what we see on the news, all of the injustices, all of the abuse, all of we talked about addiction, depression, all of our fears and anxieties and worries, all sickness and cancer, all of our disappointments and frustrations in every area of life, Jesus is saying, I'm going to deal with all of that. I'm going to put them under my feet and I, they will be no more. No more. That's what the resurrection of Christ brings. It brings a new reality where all of these things that hold us down and oppress us are dealt with, removed, and now we step into unending joy, life, and peace. This is what we've always longed for. This is what we've always wanted. And the resurrection of Jesus 2,000 years ago is what? It's the down payment that all of that is on the way. And so listen, as, as, as some have said, even if you don't believe the resurrection is true, shouldn't you want it to be true? Wow. This is what Jesus has brought us in the resurrection. And so what I want to share just as I wrap up is this, okay? I hope you've heard today that the resurrection of Jesus is not simply an event way back there 2,000 years ago, nor is it an event that affects our way out there future, but it is an event that impacts our lives every single day. You say, Tanner, make the connection. Here it is. If our God defeated death, and if our God guarantees that we will also rise again, then what could we face in this life that we can't navigate and get through? And what opportunity could we take what, what, what opportunity could we not take hold of as God's power is working in us and through us? 
That's why I'm so passionate to see people who, who, who believe in Christ and, yet, and also people who not yet believe in Christ come to believe in Christ because, listen, there is ultimate victory here. No, no, one, no one who knows Jesus should ever walk around living a defeated life. We've been raised to life. We've been made alive to live a, a powerful, joy-filled, hope-filled life. And so here's what I... I want to do, I, I hope you're saying, man, Tanner, I, I want in on that. <laughs> and if I'm in on that, I want that more and more and more. Not just on April 21st, but how about the 22nd? How about the 23rd? How about the 24th? I could just keep, yeah, I could just keep going. But I hope you're saying I want in. So what I want to do is I want to invite the music team to come up, and they're going to, in just a couple of moments, they're going to lead us in a, in a song just to sing about the resurrection of Jesus and, and what an amazing reality it is. But as they do that, I just want to ask you a couple of questions, all right? And I want you to, to pull out this Connect card. Everyone received, and our Connection team did a great job of, of sharing these when you walked in. Um, not only do we hope we would, you would share your information just so we can reach out and thank you for coming, but, but there, there are some opportunities for you to respond. You see, the, the two questions I want to ask you today are, are these. Do, do you have hope in this life? Because your hope is in Jesus Christ. That's a real question for you to consider this morning. It's not just like, hey, this is the end of time. Pastor Tanner's about to get off stage, and we're going to sing, and then we're going to go, and we're going to eat lunch. Okay, like, no. Do you have hope in this life? Because your hope is in Jesus Christ. And number two, do you have hope in the next life? Because your hope is in Jesus Christ. It's my hope for you today that you can say yes to both of those questions. And listen, maybe you're here today and you're, like, you're saying, like, Tanner, what you've said is, is pretty good. In fact, I believe it to be true. Like, I, I, the, I'm that person that you described. is like, you know, I've never been opposed to God. I've always believed that God is up there. That's most people I talk to in Mephra. I believe in God. I believe that he, he exists. And, but I've never taken that step to say, like, I'm going all in and really committing my life to following him. And so maybe today is the day that, that you would say, look, I want to go all in with Jesus for the first time. Well, what better day than Easter Sunday, 2019, to say, look, I am committing my life to following God through Jesus Christ. If that's you, take out your pen that you received and, and mark that so that we can rejoice with you and so that we can follow up and encourage you as you take next steps in your faith journey. Some of you may say, like, Tanner, I'm not there yet, but I want to keep asking questions and I want to keep searching this out because, like you said, like, if this is true, it changes everything. And so maybe you would say, I want to, like, I want to explore more about Jesus and Christianity. If that's you, there's not going to be any pressure. We're not going to email you the 22nd, 3rd, 4th, 5th, and say, you know, but we're just going to, we're just going to try to help offer you some resources so that you can cont continue considering what the Bible says about Jesus, his life, death, and resurrection. And then maybe still others you would say, hey, I, I want to I keep growing in Christ. I want to go deeper. No matter what it is, the invitation is for you to respond. And so I want to lead us just in a time of prayer and, and actually just want to give opportunity for you to respond based on all three of those various responses, okay? So if everyone could just, for a moment, just bow your head and close your eyes just so that you can be focused on God and, and so that the people won't be distracted by, by those around them. If, if today you would say, listen, Tanner, that's me. 
I want to I give my life to Christ today. I want to I go all in with Jesus. I want to commit to following him, receiving the gift of life that he offers through the cross and empty tomb. I just want you to raise your hand so I can see it right now and then so that I can pray with you. So if that's you today, just raise your hand super high. Let me see it. Keep it up. Thank you. Thank you. Awesome. Awesome. So before you leave today, you're going to have an opportunity just to check that off, to let us know, hey, I'm going all in with Jesus. Let me, let me just lead you in a prayer, just crying out to God, admitting your need for him, believing in Christ. Father, just, just pray these words, or in your own words, pray the, the theme of what I'm sharing. Father, thank you for sending Jesus to die in my place. Father, thank you for your willingness to forgive me of my sin and offer me new life in Christ. I commit this day to follow you with everything I am. I pray in Jesus' name, amen. And then listen, for the rest of you, just if you say, I want to explore more, would you just pray this simple prayer? God, show me more of who you are as I search out whether or not this is true. Just pray that. And then finally, I want to pray for everyone that everyone, no matter where we are, we would keep taking steps. We would keep going deeper in this journey with God through Christ. God, thank you for every person in the room. God, thank you that, that you've brought us here for a purpose today. That, that this is a monumental message that, that, that is not just for one day of the year, but it's for every day and into eternity. And so, God, no matter where we are in our faith journey, would you take us deeper? Would you show us how amazing you are in the gift of life in Christ that, that just brings a joy and a song of music that never stops or never fades, that we can just sing forever and ever because you are that good, you are that real, and you have offered us that kind of life in Christ. And so God, thank you, thank you, thank you for giving us life through Christ. We pray in his name, amen.